Welcome to the Capital Call Podcast, where we discuss capital, labor, and technology, the main drivers of the global economy. I'm your host, Vijara Kohli, co-founder of Golden Door, an investment firm based in Newark, New Jersey. We hope you enjoy today's topic as we expand on the ideas of capitalism and economics. Welcome back and Happy New Year, everyone. This week, we talk about how the market started red hot and what we can learn from 2020. First up are the tech M&A deals and how they went from zero to more than doubling by year end. In the third and fourth quarter, we saw over hundreds of billions of dollars in tech deals, SPACs, more than 242 of them went public. And I'll talk about the three largest deals that I saw happen in 2020. Next, IBM has a big decade ahead of us with the new CEO spinning off a major asset, buying more cybersecurity deals, learn why IBM is betting big on the hybrid cloud strategy for the next decade. And last, Elon has now become the richest person in the world, making him a billionaire from climate change, just from Tesla stock skyrocketing in the later half of 2020. Think about, read why, why he might become the first trillionaire working in this energy crisis. Last year, we saw over $600 billion in tech M&A deals close. The market has never seen a bigger disconnect between small business America and the technology that saved us throughout the crisis. The dead market is now coming back to life. The global economy froze in the spring of 2020. No one was going outside, sales were at zero, and companies were in desperate need of capital. But once that dark period was over, we saw six times as many deals happen in the third and fourth quarter. Tech M&A experienced a V-shaped recovery before anyone else could. The three largest deals of 2020 were one, IHS Market was acquired by S&P Global for $44 billion. This is a large big data deal. This will make them and secure the position as market leaders. Number two was Slack by Salesforce, acquired for $27 billion. This is a dominant workforce collaboration tool. And Salesforce dominates CRM sales platform software for the cloud. And third was Maxim Integrated. Acquired by Analog Devices, a $21 billion semiconductor business acquisition that was a, a major turnaround in the space. You know, we saw Intel that's trembling in its feet um, as Apple and other competitors are creating their own semiconductor chips. So to start to, to continue the tech succession MA version, uh, we'll talk about IBM now that was transitioning from his last leader in the April period, um, Ginny Rometty stepped down. Arvind Krishna is now the new CEO. Uh, at one point in time, IBM, also known as Big Blue, was the tech leader in many cases. But the company is now a value trap. Warren Buffett uh, no longer owns the business. He was buying it as early as 2011. But the company has had poor performance for the past decade. But with Arvind now taking the leadership role, he was uh, the lead deal maker for the Red Hat Linux deal. That was a $34 billion deal, I think in 2019 or 2018. Um, was notable, notable for the business. 
changed the direction of IBM, which now is actually spinning off its major IT services arm, the managed service provider business that has over $60 billion in backlog. Um, it produces more than half of IBM's revenue. IBM also announced a large acquisition in the cybersecurity uh, business. Um, it's a Stack Rocks, a native security software for the Red Hat um, arm. So now splitting these assets will allow IBM to be valued um, in two different ways. One, the spinoff is an IT services provider. It's a low margin business, but it's a very big business. It's a leader in the space. I don't think anybody even comes close. It's more than twice the size of its nearest competitor. And IBM's now new hybrid cloud strategy with Red Hat Linux is a much more premium business. So now splitting these businesses, we'll see an unlock in valuations and maybe even Warren Buffett will come back to invest in Big Blue once again. But not all technologies are equal. Last month, I tweeted about the disconnect in technology valuations. Uh, Snowflake was a big IPO that took place in September. The company's peaked somewhere in the early December period at $150 billion in market cap, the same market cap as IBM. But the difference is that Snowflake only does $500 million in sales. It has negative margins and doesn't make a profit, while IBM has $75 billion in sales and $7 billion in profit. Both companies are valued at the same, but that doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, the market has no idea how to value each of these companies. But it does uh, it does make a difference that uh, Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway has actually moved its investment from IBM to Snowflake. So let's see what happens in 2021 with both of these companies. SPACs have come back bigger and better than ever. They're now available for retail investors across the board. This was an unusual financial instrument before used to take companies public with usually companies that had uh, poor balance sheets. But now we've seen over 240 SPACs go public last year at an average size of 335 million, the largest being $5 billion. This was four times the amount raised from the prior year. Uh, there have been so many SPACs in different areas of the market. Um, a lot of companies are using this as a way to speed up the IPO process. Um, it allows them to go direct to market. Um, they don't have to raise capital, which is more of a, a lengthy process. IPOs require roadshows, selling to investors, but SPACs are blank check companies that have a, a, a sizable amount of cash, let's say $300 million, and they can go out and raise uh, more from the bank and take over a private business and go direct to market within uh, with, within a much shorter time period than an IPO. So the SPAC king, Chamath Palihapitiya, has uh, really led this effort in the last two to three years. This week, he actually did not, not just one, but two SPACs that went public. First up is Clover Health. It's a Medicare provider. The company was founded in New Jersey by a notable healthcare executive. Um, they have a successful record in the healthcare space. The team has acquired hospitals, done quite a bit in the oncology and uh, in different areas of uh, healthcare data, big data. So targeting and attacking the Medicare space is a big problem. It's expensive. It's very capital intensive to get to profitability. 
um, Vivek Garapali is the CEO. He's uh, he's worked with Chamath before, so this will be a pretty big deal for this space. Chamath has done a um, pretty big move. The second big move for him was SoFi, a fintech company focused on the student loan market, which is a trillion dollar market um, in the pro- in the public sector space. It's even bigger for the private sector in some cases. SoFi is competing with legacy technology in the lending markets. Student loan is definitely ready for change, and the millennials have been already using SoFi for the past 10 years. This company provides a variety of financial products ranging from student loan refinancing, mortgages, automated investing, and other financial products. So they they can become the one-stop shop for many individuals. You can read more about Chamath's thesis online. He posted it on Twitter. He does a terrific job posting a one page on why he thinks an investment is a good idea, where the market is going, and his quantitative and qualitative approach for the future of the business. Climate change is here and now, and Elon has taken advantage of this by capitalizing on this effort. Tesla has had a record year in 2020, selling almost 500,000 cars in a pandemic at a period of time when you couldn't even visit a dealership, given that Tesla's unique strategy allows them to sell directly to the consumer. Investors love this. The stock follows suit. The company went... um, was added to the S&P 500 index and now has more than eight times uh, eight times its original price in the last 12 months, making Elon now the richest person in the world, um, now worth over $190 billion. Hard to believe that the company almost went bankrupt 12 years ago, but because of Elon's commitment to solving the world's energy crisis, he preserved and kept the dream alive. Now he's doing much more for the world's uh, climate change problems than any politician, businessman, or anyone before him and currently alive. Entrepreneurship is definitely doing well in America. This is a good reason to keep investing in people like him. He's created a lot of wealth for his employees, his shareholders, and continues to make great car all while getting us still to Mars as SpaceX does more rocket launches in the near term. So it's really amazing. Kudos to him. He's definitely not slowing down. He's not worried about becoming rich or richer. He's more worried about solving the world's energy problems and getting us to become a multi-planetary system. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and share it with a friend. We're always looking for feedback, so leave a review. You can also find me on Twitter or LinkedIn at Vajarakoli on all platforms. And as always, thank you for listening.